Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Mark Roderick. Thanks for being on the show again, Mark. Thank you very much for having me again, particularly once you have me, you know, most people don't invite me back. <laughs> we make some exceptions, right? <laughs> no, Mark, a pleasure to have you back. And if you, if you remember, if you've been listening to the show for a while, we had Mark as a guest on show number WS188. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. I know we talked about some capital raising issues and how to pay capital raisers, I think, at that time and different ways to do that legally and make sure you're staying out of jail. But a little about Mark, though, just in case you haven't heard that show or heard of him. He's a crowdfunding attorney who has represented entrepreneurs and their businesses successfully for more than 25 years. Represents companies across a wide range of industries, including technology, real estate, and healthcare industries. He writes lectures on topics of raising money from investors, franchising laws, and business contracts. Mark, thank you again for your time being willing to share your expertise with the listeners and I. And I know that just recently, the SEC made some new proposals that are going to shake up the, the crowdfunding industry a little bit. That's something that myself and the listeners need to be on top of and need to understand. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. But get us started a little bit with what's happening right now. Well, it is actually a very exciting time in the world of, of crowdfunding. You know, I'm sure every one of your listeners in preparation for this show, listen to my previous show. So they know all about the basics of crowdfunding. But the basics, again, there's three kinds of crowdfunding called Title II, Title III, and Title IV. And Title III is just for accredited investors, which generally means wealthier people. And Title IV is like a mini public offering. You can raise up to $50 million dollars but you have to register with the SEC. So it, it's terrific, but it's a lot more time consuming and expensive. And they had this little Title III, this little stepchild, unlike anything we've ever had in American securities laws before, where companies could raise up to a million dollars per year, but with lots and lots of restrictions, including restrictions on how much each investor could invest. So they very, very restrictive rules that limited, you know, many investors, including accredited investors, limited, you know, maybe you could invest $5,000 in a deal or sometimes $3,000. So very, and, and that's not just in one deal, that's in every, the an aggregate of all the deals you invest in for a 12-month period. So you could have someone who thinks of herself as a pretty well-off, you know, middle-class American, and these rules are telling her, you can invest a maximum of $5,000 in all the deals for the whole year. And that is, you know, that's a very small amount of money. So the Title III market in particular was very disappointing had been very disappointing since its introduction in 2016. It's incredible, four years ago. Amazing, time flies. In contrast, the Title II world, 
the world of accredited investors only, particularly in the real estate space, was just, and still is, just taking off. Very, very successful. And Title IV has been a little slow out of the gate, but still successful. So the SEC and its wisdom, and, and that is not sarcastic, as you're going to see, the SEC made some very significant changes. So I wrote a blog post recently, as you know, I write this blog with a list of the changes, so I won't bother repeating all of them. But I will talk about a couple that are really, really good and really, really important. And those couple are this. One, for Title III offerings, the SEC raised the limit for the company from a million dollars a year to five million dollars a year. So as you know, that uh, the world of million raising a million dollars to the world of raising five million dollars is an enormous leap in terms of the number of American companies who could take advantage of that. And in particular, I might add, for, for real estate companies, they're a real estate project that requires less than a million dollars of equity is a pretty small project. A real estate project that requires $5 million of equity, man, there are a bunch of those projects and a bunch of really good projects. So that leap from a million to five million is very significant. But by itself, it probably wouldn't have meant much. So the second complementary change that the SEC made, and this made perfect sense, is to say that in Title III, accredited investors have no limit as to the amount they can invest. Non-accredited investors still do, but accredited investors do not. And, and that is consistent with sort of the overall regulatory framework that governs uh, small companies raising capital. It had been a glaring inconsistency that in Title III, accredited investors had these limits imposed on them. You know, one of the tenants, reason we have a difference between accredited and non-accredited investors, it's been a tenant of American securities laws since they were created in the 1930s that rich people can take care of themselves. So they don't need the government protecting them. And that's actually worked out pretty well. But in Title III up until now, we've had the government putting its arms around the shoulders even of accredited investors and saying, you know, we don't want you to make a bad decision here. So you might want to invest $25,000 or 50,000 or more, but we the government are telling you you can only invest 7,500. So that, that was yeah, a glaring inconsistency that has now been eliminated. And when you think about it, companies raising money, however much that number is, you've got to convince a certain number of people to invest. And when everyone, including accredited investors, everyone was limited to, say, an average of a $5,000 check, it's hard <laughs> to raise even a million dollars, much less $5 million, if you're limited to $5,000 checks, that's 
do the math, that's, that's really hard. So this change of allowing, taking sort of taking the limits off accredited investors and increasing the total you can raise from one to five million, man, that makes the Title III market so much more vibrant. And when you drill right down, what, it, what does it mean? It means that Title III funding portals, you know, the many broker dealers that sell these deals, they can finally make money. <laughs> they can earn commissions, you know, on up to, up to $5 million. They, it's been a real challenge in Title III with the per investor limits and with the million dollar overall limit, as well as all the other rules. These companies just couldn't make money. They, they couldn't make a profit. It's too difficult. So they were resorting to tricks and gimmicks, sort of. And it just, you know, if there's not enough money there, the market markets don't thrive unless there's an ability to earn a decent profit. And these changes, those two together, are going to make the market thrive. So Title III, as I say, used to be a poor stepchild. It is now going to become very, very popular because even like if, if you were a Title II portal, a Title II real estate portal, real estate's very hot. You know, you had no interest in Title III previously, tiny dollars, lots of rules. But now you're going to seriously consider adding a Title III portal to your total sort of product mix because now you get to bring in some smaller companies and you get to bring in some smaller investors. And the smaller investors might not have much money now and they might still be limited. But the example that I often use, this is like Mercedes-Benz, right? You go into Mercedes showroom, they've got the $125,000 car. They've also got a $35,000 car. Why? It's not because they're going to make money selling the $35,000 car. It's because they want to draw customers of all demographics into their showroom. Come look at this $35,000 car. Because eventually those customers are going to buy the $75,000 car. I mean, that's the idea. And so this is exactly like that. You're expanding your product mix to bring more investors into the showroom. And, and that is just, to someone like me, who's so evangelical about crowdfunding and, you know, making capital accessible to more people in more places and making great deals more accessible to ordinary American investors rather than just the super wealthy. This is like a symphony music to my ears because it, it is really going to expand the market and bring it to more and more people. So that, that was quite a long answer. <laughs> no, it's good. Tell me, you know, like talking about Title II, Title Three, Title Four, like that's not a uh, a term that we hear very often on the show. You know, tell the listener, like, when does that come in into account like, when we're talking about titles as opposed to okay. you know different types sure. of capital raising or so uh, crowdfunding used to be illegal for you know eighty years after enactment of the American Securities Laws in the nineteen thirties. One thing every securities lawyer like me knew is that 
if you are selling an interest in a private company, like a private real estate syndication or a, a small company, you cannot advertise, right? You cannot advertise. Well, the Jobs Act, signed into law by President Obama in 2012, changed that rule and introduced what we call equity crowdfunding. So now for the first time in American history, you can advertise small deals, private deals. And of course, what that means in the age of the internet is that you can raise capital online. I mean, that's what I always say to people who are just getting into the space. Fortunately, there are lots of complicated legal rules because then people have to hire me to explain them. But the big picture, which your generation understands immediately, it's just the internet. You know, we use the internet for everything. You might have met your wife using the internet. We use the internet for everything, and crowdfunding means we can use it to raise capital, which seems perfectly natural to your generation. But to older generations, this was like a big deal. Anyway, so the Jobs Act was a law, you know, passed by Congress, signed by the president. In the United States, laws, when they're long, are separated into pieces. And it just so happens that the pieces of American laws are called titles. It's like a chapter. I could call it a chapter. But they happen to be called titles. So the Jobs Act of 2012 had a bunch of titles and the different kinds of crowdfunding. One kind is in Title II of the Jobs Act. The other is in Title III of the Jobs Act. The other is Title IV of the Jobs Act. So that's why to impress people at cocktail parties, we, you know, we, we say Title II, Title III, and Title IV. Tell me how, you know, Title III is going to change or could change how we, you know, in the, in the real estate syndication business might change how we operate or how will it change it? Well, with these recent changes, you know, the proposals, SEC proposals that haven't come into effect yet, it makes it easier to syndicate real estate deals. And even if I'm it, not a broker dealer, that's the point. So the last time I was on your show, we were talking about paying commissions, paying what amounts to commissions to people who are not licensed to receive them. Finders, that whole world of finders. And the SEC has actually been cracking down recently on illegally paying people commissions who are not broker-dealers and therefore not entitled to receive them. And there's so much activity in the real estate world. So much time is spent trying to get around these rules and create these different structures. So if you are a Title III funding portal, and I'll just say what I mean by that. So one of the characteristics of Title III is that like a company, if you had a real estate deal and you wanted to syndicate it, you could not use Title III crowdfunding and by just creating your own website. Only funding portals, companies that are registered as such with the SEC and FINRA can sell Title III offerings, okay? It's a, you used the right word a few minutes ago, broker-dealer, funding portals like a funding portal is like a mini broker dealer. And the great thing about funding portals is once you go through the process and you get your bronze star that says funding portal, you can now legally charge commissions. 
So on all those real estate deals where people are raising up to $5 million, voila, the need for finders disappears. The SEC has created a legal way to pay commissions, pay and receive commissions. So you're going to see, I mean, I'm already seeing a lot more funding portals being created to do real estate. Funding portals, Title III funding portals, because, wow, we can get commissions on deals up to $5 million. So, yeah, I I think it's going to change the landscape considerably. There are going to be, you know, right now there's something like 60 funding portals or something of all kinds, and I think there are going to be hundreds now. Wow. Okay, so will that, you know, for the operator that's over here doing – 150 unit deals, you know, whatever, uh, syndicating real estate, are they still going, do you still see them raising capital the same way they always have from their list of investors, you know, through a 506B or C, or do you see them like connecting somehow with some type of, of company that has a portal like this? Well, it's a great question. I think they will do both because as you know, real estate operators will take capital however they can get it. But I do think that portals will be created in the Title II world, okay? You don't need funding portals. There's no legal rule. But the place where the big money is being raised in Title II is on the established websites, RealCrowd, CrowdStreet. Those folks are raising tons of money. It's their business, right? They attract hundreds of thousands of investors and maybe in the future millions And so when you're the real estate operator, I mean, that's where the capital is. Yeah. And that's accredited Um, only for Title II, right? That's right. So I think in the the smaller deal space, now that they've changed these rules, I think the same thing's going to happen. Someone like you could create a funding portal and you could attract, you would literally (laughs) attract tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of investors and if the investors are there, the operators are knocking on, on your door. So I think that's what's going to happen. So is you know creating a portal something I should personally look into or somebody you should? I yeah. should. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, a month ago, I would have said, no, Title III, it's, it's the wrong side of the tracks. It's scraping the bottom of the barrel. But now, absolutely. Yeah. Where, you, do, you, where do we even begin? What does that look like? Well, it's a pretty easy you know, pretty easy process. You form a company, you register with the SEC, a very simple, it's not an application, it's just a registration. And then the harder part is you have to apply to be a member of FINRA. And FINRA uh, has a lot of rules, but it's just a process, it's just an application process. If, if you said, God, this sounds interesting to me, Mark, you could be up and running as a funding portal 90 days from now. I wouldn't have guessed that. So it's big. It is big news. Very, very interesting. What are the setbacks though? What are the down? What's the downside, uh, or any downsides that we haven't talked about? As far as I said, okay, Mark, let's let's pursue this portal thing. What's going to be the downside? Great. See, you you have a business mind, right? <laughs> you saw, yeah, this is great possibility. But wait a second, what what am I missing? So there are two things. Dealing with Finra is can be a pain. 
for a small company. You know, FINRA is created to regulate big broker dealers. And FINRA, and, I, and they would admit this, just has a hard time dealing with, you know, little funding portals, one or two or three man funding portals. So it's, the regulatory apparatus is outsized <laughs> for the subject matter being, for the little deals being regulated. So that, that's a drawback. And then the advertising of deals that you are permitted under Title III is more restrictive than you are used to dealing with, okay? If you're used to just the normal private syndication world, including 506B, 506C, you are used to just advertising all kinds of stuff and target IRR is this. And, and in the world of FINRA, and therefore Title III, it, your advertisements have to be much more circumspect. I think that's, that's the honest answer. Those are the two drawbacks. But I, I'm sure that the upside of being able to charge commissions legally on $5 million deals is, is going to far outweigh those downsides. And to tell you the truth, I think the next improvement the SEC makes will probably have to do with making those advertising restrictions a little bit less restrictive because they're, they're, they're kind of silly in some ways. Regarding 506B and C and how we can or can't advertise? The restrictions in, in Title III, the restrictions only apply to Title III. In Title, you know, Title II, Rule 506C, you know, I, my trick question when I'm moderating a panel of lawyers at a conference is to say, what kind of advertising can you not do in 506C? And everyone's going, hmm. And then I say, it's a trick question because the answer is nothing. You can do anything in Rule 506C. And that is not the case today in, in Title III. But you see that changing. I do, yeah. Just because some of those restrictions are truly silly. Uh, I mean, it, you got to bear in mind Title III, as I said, is a brand new animal. And many, many uh, very conscientious people were and continue to be concerned that JD operators would use Title III to, you know, steal money from widows and orphans. And that, I mean, that was a legitimate concern. That's why Title III started out so restrictive. But in fact, there has been no stealing in Title III. There's been no fraud. I mean, there have been a lot of bad companies, but that's, there have been a lot of good companies. But we simply have not seen the really bad behavior that people were concerned with. And that's why the SEC now feels free to kind of, you know, loosen it up a little because, hey, it, it's been okay. It's been fraud free. And I think it will continue to be fraud free. And so they'll, they'll loosen it up further. Mark, we're about out of time, unfortunately, but any other big changes we need to speak to before we have to go? If, you know, there are changes to some, some of the other rules, for example, Title IV, which is also known as Regulation A, you're going to be able to raise up to $75 million now, as opposed to $50 million. And a bunch of miscellaneous changes. But the ones we've talked about absolutely are the most important taken together. 
And anyone interested in knowing about the others can take a quick look at my blog, which has them all, and also has a links to the actual SEC rules. Well, before you tell us about where to find your blog, tell us how you like to give back. Funny you should ask that. Because 10 minutes before I came on your show, one of the founder of one of the major real estate crowdfunding websites reached out to me and they are going to put together a crowdfunding fund to provide assistance for doctors and nurses and first responders in the coronavirus crisis. Wow. Which is wonderful. And he asked me if, if, you know, I would be willing to do the legal work pro bono. And I said, absolutely. Crowdfunding is about communities helping one another. So this is a perfect opportunity for someone like me, you know, to use what I know to uh, help those who God knows deserve it. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. I appreciate you sharing that and giving back in that way, Mark. And I appreciate you just being willing to get on the show and share with all the listeners and myself and and uh, just breaking down Title Two, II, Three, and Four, which you know most of us don't understand. Or, you know how that breaks down like that and the changes in Title Three that could potentially uh, affect us in a big way in the near future. But you know this blog sounds very interesting, Mark. And I just want you to be sure and tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and and where they can find that. Well, the blog is at crowdfundattny.com. So crowdfund and then the abbreviation for attorney. Dot com and all my contact information is there and send an email as with most of us these days. That is the best way to contact me. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.